Welcome to the Compass Church Sermon Podcast. In this sermon from April 4th, 2021, Pastor Craig Kidder gives an Easter message for anyone who has ever felt disappointment. Listen in as Pastor Craig picks up the story of Thomas, the disenchanted disciple, and asks the questions, where do we go from here? For more information, please visit compassefc.com. Here's Pastor Craig. Well, good morning, Compass. I'm Craig. He is risen. Yes, you can clap. That's all right. Woo! All right. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the party. Today is a party. Today's a celebration. We believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the climax. It's the apex of human history. If you know anything about mountain climbing, there can only be one apex, and we believe this is it. So it's a party. But what kind of a party is it? Is it kind of like a, an adventure in escapism, right? Like you had a pretty rough day, you go to a party, you kind of forget that it's cold outside, enjoy the party, forget about your troubles, but you eventually have to go back out into the cold. Is that what today is? Is today, yeah, all right. Well, since you're so sharp today, let me ask you this. Is, is today the type of a party that's kind of like a, a dysfunctional family barbecue, right? Recently, I was, uh, well, not recently, pre-COVID, all right? I was at a party with a friend, and we were talking about it later. And I was like, hey, that was pretty awesome. It was a great party. Like, no, it wasn't. I was like, what? Like, that was awesome. Like, everybody was talking to each other. Everyone was getting along. It was great. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, yeah, like those two people, they were talking, but you know, as soon as they got in the car, they were like, oh, I don't like... Bob, Bob's the worst, and oh, June is so offensive. It was a dysfunctional family barbecue. Is that what Easter is? You know what we did? We got all dressed up. Did we get all dressed up and then just to put on a good show and then go back to the grime? What kind of party are we having today? Does this celebration, does the resurrection change anything? Okay? And if so, how? You know, for a lot of us, we have this image uh, of the, the resurrection. Like, you know, it's early, it's a Sunday morning, these people are headed to the empty tomb, and they're just like waiting, right? They've got their phones out, and they're like, five, four, three, two, one, roll that stone! Like, yeah, he's not here, woohoo! That. If you read the, uh, the New Testament Gospels, that's not what happened on that first Easter. On that first Easter, Jesus' followers discovered an empty tomb and didn't know what to do with it. They were confused. They were perplexed. And we're going to look at one disciple this morning who was really, really, really disappointed. Does the resurrection offer this disciple any hope? And if it does, maybe it could offer us some hope this morning. Maybe, maybe the resurrection actually does change anything. You've heard of this disciple, maybe. His name is Thomas. He gets a bad rap. He's kind of just been known for forever as doubting Thomas, which is a little unfortunate. Um, I think there's a lot more than doubting going on with Thomas. I think Thomas is fundamentally disappointed with Jesus. And we're going to see that as we read it in a second. See, I think Thomas put all his trust in Jesus, and then when his Messiah died, 
anger, disappointment. See, for a lot of us, we've experienced anger and disappointment. If, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that uh, disappointment's a real thing. We have not progressed past disappointment. See, after the Enlightenment, we've all kind of made science and reason and progress and education the climax of human history. And what 2020 taught us is that can be a very disappointing climax. Think about tech. Did tech solve all of our problems or did it leave us disappointed? Yeah, good things came out of it. But for a lot of us, when we turn to tech in the middle of a pandemic, it created anxiety, reminded us of how broken things actually are. Democracy, that's something that came out of the Enlightenment. And 2020 showed us democracy. Oh, never mind. Never mind. We're just not even going to go there. We're not even going to go there. It's a disappointment. What does Jesus do with disappointment? How does he face disappointment? What we're going to see is that the, the resurrection isn't about conflict avoidance. It's not like, hey, let's get dressed up, let's have a party, and pretend everything is okay. On that first Easter Sunday, Jesus ushered in something different, a new creation. And we get this new word that comes from Sunday. It's redeemed. Jesus, on that first Easter, said, I'm not leaving my creation alone. I'm going to enter it and redeem it. There was hostility here. God and man were separated. I'm going to be the one to bring us back together. And that changes everything. So Thomas, with all of his disappointment, is able to to meet a Jesus who chases after Thomas and who offers him wholeness. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 20, and we're going to try something a little different this morning. John chapter 20, in verse 28, Thomas, after being confronted by the risen Jesus, makes a confession of faith. It's a beautiful confession. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to read John 20, starting verse 24. When we get to verse 28, I'm going to say, Thomas said to him, and then we're all together going to say, my Lord and my God. Can we practice that right now? Thomas said to him, you know, that was fine. It was a little disappointing, all right? I, I know we can do better, all right? I know we can do better because there, were, there, were, there was a first service, and I'm not going to say, but if you're watching from the first service, you were a little louder, okay? So we won't practice again, but just try to knock me back. There's folks outside. There's about a 20-second delay. Try to freak them out, okay? They want, I want them to have no idea what's going on, okay? <laughs> All right, here we go. This is John chapter 20, starting in verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. 
and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the word of the Lord. Let's ask for his help. Jesus, thank you for that empty tomb. Thank you for the new life it promises us. Thank you that you now are coming back to make sad things untrue. You're coming back to redeem us, redeem your creation. God, help us to see how. Help us to see how you're going to do that, Lord. God, we come to you expecting great things this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that happened to Thomas traditionally when we interpret this passage is the story gets told like this. Maybe you've heard it. Thomas just wasn't around when Jesus appeared, okay? And so the disciples are like, hey, buddy, like, look, Jesus, he really did rise from the dead. And then it's Thomas is like, oh, I really would like to believe, but that's kind of a weird story. So I need, here's what I need to do, guys. I need to do a, make a closer inspection here, okay? I need to, like, maybe see everything for myself. Maybe, oh, you know what would be great, too? What if I could touch it? Huh? Like I could touch the nails and then just stick my hand in the side. That, if I just saw all those things, I have these lingering doubts, but that would kind of wash things up, okay? I don't believe that's what's happening here. I don't believe that's what we just read. In the account that we just read, uh, it, I think what's happening is Thomas is being more like, you know, like that uncle we all have who he hates one political party, right? Let's say he hates, he hates Republicans, right? And he's like, oh, I'll vote Republican, right, when pigs fly. Oh, I'll do that when hell freezes over, okay? Now, if you were to be hanging out with said uncle and you were to look out a window and you were to see a pig flying by, (laughs) would said uncle be like, oh, that's all I needed. Thank you. Where can I sign up? I'll get registered. Here we go. No, that's not what's happening. You know, and I know full well, that uncle's like, drawing a line in the sand here. It's exactly what's happening with Thomas. Thomas says this. He says, I don't care what you all saw. I'm not believing. Here's how we know that. Thomas was a Torah-keeping person. We know that from John's account. We know that he loved Torah. He kept Torah. There's two things in Torah that lead us to believe that he wasn't just like, oh, shucks, I like to believe. I need a further inspection. Here's thing number one. Uh, This is pre-Instagram, okay? For for those of you under 12, yep, such a thing happened. Some of us lived without Instagram. This is pre-Instagram, okay? And so... They didn't have any way to like, you know, if, if you have a friend who's like, oh, I totally saw a celebrity downtown last night. We'd be like, ain't no picture, ain't no thing. You did not see that celebrity if you did not get a photo, okay? For these people, they didn't have phones, so they needed two witnesses. That's why in Luke's gospel, when Jesus rises, two angels come. Not one, but two. Because two witnesses verified something as fact. Thomas, a Torah-keeping person, and 11 So not two, not three, not five, not seven, not nine, 11 of his closest friends, people that he had spent the last three years in rather stressful situations with, three of his, 11 of his closest friends 
we're saying, hey, uh, a couple days ago, we were scattered, we were super depressed, now we're super joyful, now we're super happy, he's alive. Thomas would have been like, okay. It, it's more reasonable to think Thomas would like, yeah, that seems right. All right, that's one clue we know that Thomas isn't just like, oh, shucks. Second one, according to Numbers 9 in the Torah, Numbers 9, you're not allowed to touch dead bodies or wounds. It makes you unclean, okay? Thomas most certainly would have been like, I need to touch it, all right? That is super weird. He would not have said that. Also, in the Greek, uh, the word balo, it means throw or like shove. You can remember that, like you throw a balo, all right? Balo, that's what Thomas says. He says, unless I balo, unless I shove my hand into his side. And we're like, oh, dude, like what is wrong with you? We're looking at disappointment. He's being antagonistic. And then he goes on to say, unless I'm able to shove my hand into his side, I definitely won't believe. In, in English, it's bad grammar to use two negatives. Like if I'm like, I'm not not going to do this. We're like, wait, what are you doing? Like it's just confusing. It's bad grammar. Don't do it. In Greek, it's really emphatic. He's saying, I'm definitely not going to believe. See, we know from Josephus, the historian, that around Jesus' time, there were lots of wouldn't-be messiahs popping up. There were about 12 before Jesus and about 12 after Jesus. And these would-be messiahs died. And so when your would-be messiah dies, you have two options. You find a new messiah... Or you go home. And Thomas is like, I'm done. I don't care what you guys say you saw. I do not care. I am so very disappointed. We're done here. Pack it up. I'm out. Thomas, out. I do not care. Now, that's where the story takes us. A man is disappointed in God. And I'm just curious, are there any of us who can feel disappointed with God? Listen, this is what Thomas could have said. I did everything right. I did everything right. Earlier in John's gospel, people are trying to kill them. He's like, let's go. Let's go. Come on, let's do it. And now, probably what's happening is the religious leaders and Rome are after these disciples of this failed Messiah. And so he's like, great. I did everything right, and now my life is ruined. God, I trusted you. I obeyed. All right? I didn't smoke. I went to church, and I got cancer. What the heck? God, I put myself out there, and people rejected me. That's the seed of that is disappointment. And if we don't pay attention to that disappointment, it festers and it grows and it grows into anger. And it's anger directed at God. And essentially what Thomas is saying is, your move, God, because I'm done. Now, thank goodness John didn't just say, all right, we're done here. That's the end of the story. What does Jesus say? What does Jesus say when he shows up to Thomas? Peace be 
with you. We can read that in like old English and it sounds very like sterile and distant. Peace be with you. Like we don't talk like that, okay? Here's what he's saying. He, it's not just like a, a formal greeting. Uh, in in Jesus' vocabulary, peace is not just the absence of conflict. Peace is the act of putting back together things that had been broken. Wholeness. Jesus comes to Thomas in his disappointment and says, I'm offering you a chance to be made whole. And here's what he says. It's hilarious. It's ironic. It's so Jesus. And you just got to hear it. This is, back, this is in verse uh, 27. Here's what he says. Then he said to Thomas, hey, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. What's he saying? Hey, Thomas, put up or shut up. You asked, pooper, get off the pot, bro. Here we are. What you going to do? He's not being sarcastic, though. Here's what he's saying to Thomas. I see you. I see your disappointment. I see your anger. And I'm here making the first move. For us, for those of us who have been hurt, who have been disappointed, who find ourselves unsure about what to do next, Easter, Easter says there is a way forward, and it's new creation. It's that God is redeeming. He's not saying, hey, I'm going to come back, we're going to pretend, we're going to pretend that nothing bothers you. He's saying, hey, I have taken on death and I'm still rolling up my sleeves. I am still here to set things right. Death does not have the last word. Brokenness does also not have the last word. This world hurts. Life is painful, full stop. Anyone who tells you otherwise is just trying to sell you Amway. (laughs) Life hurts, and God doesn't say, let's just pretend it doesn't. Let's get dressed up, let's go to church, everything's good. He says this, bring me your disappointment. Bring me your pain. Because here's what I'm going to do. Just like I defeated death, I'm going to defeat all of death's side effects. I'm going to win totally. I see you, I love you, and I'm coming for you. Now, for some of us, it's like, yo, I didn't know I was disappointed. I'm just, I just came to church, and you're saying I'm disappointed? Okay, all right. I hear you. Here's what the challenge is for those of us who are like, I didn't know. I mean, I guess I'm kind of disappointed. This world is broken, and nobody gets a pass at that brokenness kicking in your door. We all have failed relationships. We all lose loved ones. We all get disappointed when our coworker gets the promotion, even though they don't really deserve it. We do. We all get this way because just like the resurrection is the apex of human history, we've made other things that high point. So right now we're all watching as 
A lot of us who made the Enlightenment our apex were watching that let us down. A lot of us are watching other apexes let us down. And the invitation on that first Easter Sunday is to say, bring me your pain. Bring me your disappointment. I see you. I'm for you and I'm coming after you. That's, Thomas has nothing to say. That's why he just, he just says, my Lord and my God. It's a beautiful confession of faith. And, and what comes next, it can sound like, it can sound like Jesus is like chastising him. Well, Thomas, you believed, but other people are going to believe and they haven't seen anything. All right, that's not exactly what's happening there. Uh, what's happening there is not, it's not about belief, like, oh, I know these facts. It's about giving Jesus your allegiance. In the Roman Empire, someone who was faithful was someone who gave their allegiance to Rome. And Thomas had an allegiance problem. He said, I'm going to go back to my old mountain peaks. And Jesus said, hey, you had every reason to trust me, and you didn't, but I came to you. There's going to be lots of people who trust me with lots of reasons not to. They're super blessed. They're super blessed. What's keeping you from saying yes to Jesus today? What disappointments are in the way of you giving him your allegiance? Of you saying, I'm going to follow you. Life has hurt. My career has let me down. My family's let me down. This relationship has let me down. But I'm going to trust you that just like you conquered death, one day you're going to finish this new creation project on the, uh, the thief on the cross, do you remember what Jesus said to him? The thief on the cross who, who acknowledges Jesus. He trusts him. Jesus says, today you will be with me in... Does anybody know? Does anybody know what the Greek word for paradise is? Eden. God is saying, because of the resurrection, I am restoring what was once lost where God and people shared the same space. Trusting in Jesus does not mean everything goes great. It means we're not alone, and this death and this brokenness do not have the last word. There is an expiration date. And we now, by saying yes to Jesus, say, hey, we're going to roll up our sleeves and get involved in new creation work alongside you, Jesus. Just like you reconciled us, you brought peace to us, we're going to be people who bring peace where we live. That's painful. It's way easier to like open a door, see a monster, and just close the door. But because Jesus has taken care of our ultimate need, that we were isolated from God because he sees us and redeems us, makes us whole, we now in little ways change. We now become people who make things whole. Now, there are some of you who are like, I've been around church a long time and churches break more than they fix. I totally wish I could disagree with you. I do. I wish I'd be like, no, 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 you just, yeah, and churches are great. No. Churches are filled with disappointed people who, though we should know better, 
we still put our hopes in other little mountain peaks as well. And what it means, though, what it means, what if someone really believes Jesus? What if someone really believes that Jesus chases us, that he comes after us, that he's for us? Well, it changes the way we're wronged and offended. Yes, church can hurt you. God's people have done a lot of damage. Oof. But people who say yes to Jesus are people who say, I'm going to live with a broken heart. I'm going, to, I'm going to step into peace just like Jesus stepped into peace with Thomas. Because I've experienced this, I'm going to be different. See, trusting Jesus, faith isn't just this one-time event in your life where we trust Jesus and then we go our merry way. Trusting Jesus is, is a daily event. It's a companionship, that holy companionship, Brother Lawrence called it. We don't walk through life alone, but we're not walking through life with a divine babysitter. We're not walking through life with a God who's just trying to clean up our behavior. We're walking through life with a God who loves us, who says, I see your disappointments. Bring them to me. Bring it on. Bring it on, Thomas. We're walking with a God who's big enough to handle our brokenness. So for some of us, help me see my brokenness. For others, it's like, God, let me confess my disappointments to you. Here are my disappointments. Do you see it? And if you see it, what's next? Where do I go from here? I don't know. It is a fork in the road. But I will say this, people can't live at forks in the road. My friend, we'll call him Matt. My friend Matt uh, had a tragedy in his family. He lived far from home and he got word that his teenage sister was pregnant. She was still in high school. Her boyfriend was a total dumpster fire. Just a jerk, awful guy. And in high school. That threw Matt for a loop. He gets word also that his grandmother is dying, like the matriarch of the family. That throws him for a loop. And just to top it all off, the family dog is sick. So Matt hops on a plane and he flies home. He's not really sure what to expect, but he's, he's going and he's like, I'm going to be available. I want to help. I love my family. I'm going to be present. He gets picked up at the airport. Hey, how's everything going? Oh, oh we'll talk about it later. Okay, okay, yeah. That makes sense? I just got here. Sure. Later that night, hey, can I see my little sister? Where is she? How is she? We'll talk about it later. Okay, okay. Later that night, everybody gets dressed up. They're headed for dinner, and he says, can we please, will someone please talk to me? And Matt's mom just kind of like slams the dashboard a little bit and just says, Matt, we're all dressed up. We're just going to have a nice meal. The resurrection is not a party where Jesus just dresses up brokenness and says everything is okay. And if we stay at that fork in the road and just believe that, well, God doesn't care, God can't handle this, if we don't actually bring him what's disappointing us, what's making us angry, if we don't do that, we won't stay at the fork in the road, we'll take another path. Where we get angry, where we get hardened, and where we just get bitter toward God. The invitation today, this morning, is to ask, what are the things that are keeping us from saying yes to Jesus? 
And the reason it's so important, the reason it's so important that we're asking this question together is because I have things that keep me from saying yes to Jesus. You're surrounded by people who have things that are keeping us from saying yes to Jesus. We're not struggling alone. Dad joke time. Last year, the focus of Easter was the empty room. This year, the focus of Easter is the empty tomb. And I'm above it because I said it was a dad joke. So see what I did there? See, I, I, I warned you. Hey, it's lame. But I'm allowed to, be, I'm allowed to tell dad jokes. We got like a, we're in the any day now mode with baby number three. So I'm allowed to do a couple dad jokes. Yes, this world is broken. Yes, there is pain. But the resurrected Jesus, the one who made that tomb empty, the one who ran out of that grave, does not now say, don't worry about it, it's fine. But he, he stops. He chases after Thomas. He comes to Thomas and says, I'm offering you peace. He's offering you peace this morning. What's keeping you from saying yes? Will you? Will you this morning say yes to him? Will you say yes to Jesus? Father, Father, I know it's hard. And I know there's things in the way that keep us from experiencing the new life of the empty tomb. God, I pray that you would help us. Help those of us who are just even afraid to admit we're disappointed. Help us to see that. Help those of us who are wrestling to wrestle. And help those of us who are ready to give you everything to take a step in faith and repentance. I ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. This sermon is part of the ministry of Compass Evangelical Free Church in Columbia, Missouri. We seek to be a church where Christ's love is at work transforming lives through the power of the Spirit to the glory of God. For more information, check out compassefc.com.